Um, you must be looking and thinking, those that know me thinking, what on earth are these pastors doing letting him go up there and talk? <laughs> what on earth is going on today? But they have, and I had time to prepare, and, and I spent a lot of time praying that, because I could have tried to find something that made me look really good, preach something that, that was a real clever, and you, you understand? And I, I'm nervous, man. I spent a lot of time praying to say to the Lord, I spent at least three weeks praying to say, what do you want me to say? What, what is the message you have for our church, for us here today? So the fact that there's people not here, and there's, it, it, my wife is saying to me, it's the truth, that who's supposed to be here is supposed to be here today. And if, if, if God has given me a word to share with you, it, it, it's his word, you understand? I pray that today you hear his word, and you don't even remember it's me that, 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 that was used to speak it. You understand? Forget me. And, and, and that his word will permeate into your heart and, 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 and affect the change in, in all of us. Um, I've never done this before. So, you know, if I take time. We're going to be looking at Luke 12, 1 to 12. I've done slides. Um, so you can see it on the wall if you don't have your Bibles, but please get your Bibles out. A lot of it will be from the ESV. I've also used the New King James Version. Um, but we're going to be looking at 12, 1 to 12, and I've entitled it Beware. And I think just from the title, that you think of that title throughout. Beware. Beware. Don't take God's word for joke. Hear what you, what, what, what's being said today, okay? Um, I'm going to read the scripture. And then I'm going to pray. Is that cool? Yeah, our interactive thing going on here. You know, that, that, you know what I mean? Is that all right? Yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. And I'm going to pray. All right. Luke 12, 1 to 12. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after have nothing more they can do, but I will warn you who to fear. Fear him after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, verse 8, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, come before you recognizing that you, you are the creator of all things. You breathed out the stars and just knowing that the earth is one of the smallest stars, one of the smallest planets, and you breathe them out. You dwell in unapproachable light and, and, and we, we, we have that, that liberty to come into your presence and we do that today, Lord, and we, we don't take this for granted, Lord. 
I don't care how I seem to other people or what they think of me. It doesn't matter because, I, Lord, I just want to present myself to you, a vessel that you might use today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me to your people, Lord, that all of us will hear your voice, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that my opinion or, or anything that I add to, in any way, Lord, that you would just take it away as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as it drops. That the only words that would stay in people's hearts is your word, Lord, because we know that your word does not come back void. And I pray, Lord, that that word comes into us, into our beings, Lord, and continues that transforming work in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that any lie of the enemy that's going to come and lie to us, that you would just rebuke that and remove that. I commit this time to you, Lord, as we have come together as church, as, an, as, the, as the ecclesia, the collective body of Christ, that you would, you would grow us, Lord, that you would enrich us, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. I commit this time to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the words we just read um, were the words of Jesus. So we know that the Bible says that all all Scripture is God-breathed, is God-inspired. You know what I'm saying? But what really strikes me is that this is Jesus talking. And in my Bible, Jesus' words in red. I just put a picture. That's not my Bible, because my Bible beat up. Look. My Bible beat up. This has been with me from day one since I realized that Jesus is, Jesus is God. I've, I've had this, you understand? And it, it got beat up. But my Bible's the same. It has Jesus' words in red. Because this is, this is Jesus talking. Now, if Jesus is speaking, basically he's on the move. He's not sitting in a closed room dictating his message. He's speaking in a real life situation. So I want to take a moment just to paint a picture of where Jesus is and what's happening around him. In verse 1, and you'll see slides the whole time. In verse 1, Luke sets the context. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together, they were trampling one another. This crowd started gathering in chapter 11 in verse 29. We see Luke make reference to the crowd increasing. Luke eleven twenty nine. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the son of Jonah. Jesus was then invited inside the Pharisee's house. The crowd is getting bigger and bigger, and he's, in, he's gone into their house. He basically tells them about himself, these religious leaders, and then he comes out, and that's where we find him now. In verse 1 of chapter 11, in the English Standard Version, which is what I'm reading, the ESV is what I'm reading today, it says, so many thousands of people in the King James. Anybody use King James in here? All right. In the King James Version, I can't understand the King James. V, vow, I just don't understand it. But the King James Version, it says an innumerable multitude of people. Either translation gives us the picture that the point is that there were so many people that people were getting trampled. I did a lot of research into that. I looked at like football matches and that and people being, they die from like, like, What's that word? They're, they're, they're suffocated. They can't breathe. I can't say them kind of word there. Say it again. I can't say it again. What is it? See? How am I supposed to say that? They, you know, it, it's serious things. Big crowds are very serious, very dangerous. Um, people were being trampled. There was a real and present risk to injury and loss of life. The crowd was heaving. Don't miss that. Don't think the picture of Jesus is walking along teaching. He's got this little crowd of people following him from a distance like we see in movies and that. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. People were pushing and people wanted to see and they wanted to hear. And pe- to the point they don't business who's in their way. You're, you're getting moved. I need to hear. They're pushing each other. The crowd is heaving. Luke is a historian. He gathers material from eyewitnesses and trusted resources in order to bring an accurate account 
of um, Jesus' life. So Luke has documented clearly how Jesus' fame spread. If you read that through the, from the beginning of Luke all the way through, it just spread throughout. Everyone knew about Jesus. Everybody heard about Jesus. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. Jesus did not consider this current situation, people getting crushed and everything. He didn't consider that a priority right now. That wasn't, that wasn't the thing on his mind. He had something far more serious. And this is why I want you to understand this, because we have to take this serious. It was far more serious than the crowds crushing. People were getting trodden upon. You know, it wasn't just a potential little heathen. People were getting trampled. Something far more serious. He turns to his disciples first and he issues a warning as we continue reading in, in 12 verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Why is Jesus more concerned about the Pharisees? Because the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy, false teaching, false religion. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, it says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? I just want to read that from the Amplified Bible. It's on the screen again. About the condition of your church. Your boasting is not good. Indeed, it is most unseemingly and entirely out of place. Do you not know that just a little leaven will ferment the whole lump of dough? There's nothing cryptic here. Jesus tells us that the leaven of the Pharisees is what? Hypocrisy. This is more alarming than immediate threat to life. All the things that are going on. This is more alarming. This could affect eternal salvation of, of multitudes, ricocheting to, to today. As Jesus' fame spread throughout like wildfire, so too would leaven. So too would this hypocrisy. The language Jesus is using is direct and it, it should be very clear to his Jewish disciples. In the Old Testament, leaven is consistently used to represent sin. Um, what's false and evil. In the New Testament, leaven was used to represent the, the Pharisees, the false teaching of the Pharisees. So I have to, I, I'm not educated. You, you won't believe that, but I'm not. I, did, I left school at 14. Um, I have to look, what's leaven? I don't know what leaven is. Does everybody know what leaven is? Is it just me? Put your hand up if you know what leaven is. All right, all right. Okay, okay. It's not just me. No, that's good. Because, that, that, you know what I mean? It encourages me. Because I thought I was a bit stupid, but I'm not. It's on the screen. Leaven is a substance, typically yeast, all right? And it's added to dough to make it ferment and rise. Now, I know there's people in there that bake cake and them kind of thing there. Now, I, I, I bake, but the only thing I ever bake is potato. Yeah, I can't bake nothing else but potato. But, I, you know, I know there's people that understand what that is. They know what, what, what yeast is. They know what leaven is. Um, during Passover, observant Jewish people refrained from eating leaven. The tradition comes from God's commandment to Israel in the Torah. In Exodus 12, um, 12 19 to 20, and that will be on the screen. Did you see that? Look at that. What a thing. Yo, I'm learning PowerPoint, yo. One more time. Boom. Exodus 12, 19 to 20. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You should eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. As Jewish people um, prepare for Passover, every family removes the leaven in their house. 
they, they actually spend the time where they search for leaven uh, for the, the night before and, and then they, they take it out and they burn it. So they go through the house, they look for yeast or anything like biscuits might have it in or whatever and they, they literally will take it out. Um, the ceremony, this is my Jewish accent. Any Jewish people in there? Oh, that's good, I'll get away with it. <laughs> the ceremony is called Bedikat Kamitz. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's realistic. <laughs> Bedikat Kamitz. Every traditional household conducts the final search for leaven. As I said, they take it out, they burn it to make the house ready for its kosher, for Passover. When, when, we, when, we, when we take communion, we proclaim that, that Jesus is sinless by, by the bread. The bread is unleavened. It's, it's the elements that represent him. The fact that Jesus held up unleavened bread at the last Passover supper saying, take, eat, this is my body, that bread was required to not have leaven in it. And that was a symbol showing that he is without sin. Jesus was without sin because leaven is a symbol of sin. When we partake in communion with the bread and the wine, we should really think about it, we should consider that. Jesus was without sin, yet he paid the penalty of sin, which is death. We are to be without sin. When, 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 when we get saved, we, we say, I repent, you know, I've repented of my sin and I've turned on following Jesus. That's nice, but we, repentance is an ongoing thing. Constantly. We constantly repent. It's not just once, it's a lifestyle. When you think an impure fool in your head, you don't ignore it. If, if you ignore it, you're going to give way for more impure thoughts to come in your head. The same with sinful actions. If you do something that's sinful and, and, and you don't deal with it, it's going to be easy to do it a second time. I remember when I, I want to try not to go off track too much because I've got so much slides. When I was young, I got, I got mixed up with the wrong people and, and who were criminals. And I, they taught me to steal. They taught me to do things that were bad. And I'd never done it. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't really like that as a little boy. And I remember them taking me out and making me like, commit a robbery. And they were telling me what to do. And, make, and, and, and it made me feel sick. Like, that fact I'd done it. I went home and I felt so anxious. And like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Um, but then after you keep doing it, it don't, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing to hurt somebody. It didn't mean nothing to see people being tortured because I was seeing it. I was seeing these children in there. I was seeing things. And it becomes, you become cold and, and you shut down your feelings when people are dying around you and you don't cry because you, you shut it down and you get, you get cold towards it. You've allowed something to come in and ferment and to grow. Sin is like that. Don't allow sin in your life. When sin is creeping in, Kick it out. Don't allow it in your life. We have to be hardcore like that, ignorant. We used to have a thing we call ghetto mentality. Where someone's going to say, boy, I'm going to get ghetto on you. And you'd get all, like, yeah, I'm not taking, no, no, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And you'd have that kind of attitude. You know what? I apply that attitude to my Christian walk. I'm not moving. I'm going to have an ignorant attitude when it comes to sin. See, I went way off track. But it's relevant. 1 Corinthians 5, 7-8 Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Luke 12 So we've done verse 1. That's cool. We're doing alright. Verse 2 and 3. 
Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Sin is like leaven in that you can't hide it. You can't hide it. Eventually, it will come to light. You cannot be in communion with God, who's perfectly pure, dwells in unapproachable light. You can't be in community with him and, and, and in sin. That's stupid. It doesn't make no sense, but we all try and do it. You, you, you can't do that. If leaven is hidden in flour, you can't tell it's there. You can't see the leaven is there, the yeast or, or whatever you call it. You can't see it's there until it's baked. Um, and then it will rise up and the whole lump will be leavened. Sadly, it's not uncommon for us to hear about popular pastors, popular rappers, popular Christians falling from grace. It's not uncommon. And it's very, very sad and heartbreaking, especially when it's people we know and we love. But they've allowed sin in their life. They've allowed leaven in their life. They've allowed it in to creep in and to be there. And it's there and it's grown and it's grown. And in the end, it will, it will manifest for everybody to see. You hear pastors caught up in affairs. Some this other sin or that sin, the teeth in money or they're doing this, that, the other. They had sin in their life. They had leaven. On the outside, they, they would have said all the right things, prayed the right prayers, sang the right songs. But all the time, they, they, they had sin there. And eventually, like leaven, it puffs up. It puffs up and the sin manifests for all to see. A little goes a long way. If you entertain sin in your heart, it will manifest outwardly for, for everybody. Everyone's going to see it. Don't, don't fool yourself. 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How is your heart? How will your heart stand before God? Jesus warns of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in verse 1. They look good on the outside. They even promoted standards to live by, to be like them. But as Jesus said, they, they were like whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. Are you a hypocrite? These are not questions I didn't ask myself when I'm doing this. Are you a hypocrite? Do you look down your nose and judge people because of your holiness? Are you, are you judging others? Is pride the root of your hypocrisy? I struggle with that, man. I had to pray, Lord, I, I didn't get my hair cut purposely because automatically if you're going to stand in front of people, you won't look pretty. So I went to go and get my hair cut and I thought, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't want pride to, to, to jump up. I don't want the message to be prideful that it's, oh, he's, oh, he's doing a good message. No, man. It, it, are you a hypocrite? It's pride. It's pride, it's pride the root of your, your issues. Are you the person that talks the talk, sings the song, says the right things at the right time, but really you're living a double life? You're fornicating. You're indulging in ungodly things with ungodly people. You're lying. You're even lying to yourself. Who are you trying to fool? God will not be mocked. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. This is the New King James Version. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Back to the text, 12, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do. When you die, you're dead. Your spirit departs, your flesh no longer feels anything. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Ezekiel 18, 4. Behold, all souls are mine. This is God talking. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Ecclesiastes 9.5 For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Wicked men devised very wicked and horrific ways to kill people. To kill them. In this country, in, in 1351, it was a statutory um, penalty for, for high treason was to be hung, drawn, and quartered. This country. Convicts were fastened to a wooden panel and drawn by a horse to the place of execution, literally through the streets. They'd, they used to not do it on the board, but they'd be dead when they got there, so they decided we need to put a board under them. They dragged them through the streets of, of London to the place of execution, where they were hung. They were hung almost to the point of death. Then they were cut down. They were emasculated. Look that up if you don't know what it is, and cringe. They were emasculated, disemboweled, beheaded, and quartered. They were chopped into four pieces, and their body parts had been taken across the country and, and, and displayed. Their remains were often displayed in prominent pl- um, places across the country, such as London Bridge. London Bridge, so that was the main bridge into London. This is England. The main bridge into London was full of heads and body parts across the whole bridge. They would put the heads on spikes and limbs on spikes across the bridge. I read account, I went into this, we did a Bible study on this, and I looked at the accounts of other historians talking about it. This, 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 is, this is England. I say that because we, 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 in this country, we, we act like, like this country, we look at other countries, they're barbaric, they're this, that, the other. This is England. I'm Irish, so I'm, I'm It's England. <laughs> Hung, drawn, and quartered. At some point during the process of being hung, drawn, pulling out your guts and chopping off bits, during that point of being chopped into four, you, you died. No one survived being hung, drawn, and quartered. No one had their head on a spike feeling, oh man, and all these people are making fun of me. No one was hung, drawn, and quartered and had their legs sticking out and worried about, oh my gosh, all these people are looking at my naked body. No one survived. You died. You died. Jesus tells his friends, his disciples, do not fear physical death for those who can kill you. That's all they can do. Instead, he tells them, fear God. Luke 12, 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Who's him? God. God alone has that authority. Because guess what? The devil is going to get dashed into hell as well. So he ain't going to dash nobody into hell. It's God alone. 
The Bible uses the word fear at least 300 times in reference to God. It was because the midwives feared God that they obeyed him instead of the authorities by sparing the Hebrews babies. We're talking about Moses, right? Exodus 1a, I'll just read this one to you. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph and he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they would also join our enemies, rise up and fight against us. And so head out the land. Dropping down to verse 15. So that's, that's just if you want to make a note. That's Exodus 1.8. Dropping down to verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of the midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. The British monarchy exists today based upon fear. It based upon fear. You don't want your head up on, on London Bridge. We don't have that kind of fear in England today. Not in a general sense. We don't have that kind of fear, but we do in other parts of the world. Parts of the world where Islam is in control, if, 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 if you don't convert, you will be beheaded. People will have to tell you that's extreme Islam. No, that's what the Quran says. Very, go and look it up. You will be beheaded. They will behead you. You often hear Christians say in reference to adversity. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So when I, I had that a lot. People telling me that when, when I've suffered with illnesses and this, that and the other and you know, or telling them something bad's happening to me. That, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And they tell me this. Who's talking here? Who is it that's talking? Come and talk to me, man. Don't, don't shy for nobody else. I'm, I'm up here talking, so you talk back to me. Who is it, who is it that's talking? Shy out, man. God. God, the Lord is talking. And who, who, who does this apply to? So who is he talking to? Who does it apply to? From the text. Servant of the Lord. So it don't apply, it don't, it don't apply to, to Tom Dickenary. It applied to the servant of the Lord. Now how do you identify a servant? To identify, to know that someone is a servant of another, how would you know that? Because he does the will of the master. A servant does the will of the master. You ain't a servant if you're not doing the will of the master. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What is God's will for us? What are his commandments? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and all the prophets. Context leads to correct understanding, to correct application. Efficient application is the context. We have to, we have to take it in its context. I'm going to give you an example of context. Romans 8.28, another one I heard a lot of when I was suffering from Christians. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. If we stop there, we're saying this applies to everyone, but that's not true. 
to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The same thing in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon can prosper against those of you if you are a servant of the Lord. Fact is, they can hurt you. They can maim you. They can chop off your head and chop off your limbs. They can kill you. But this cannot affect your eternal soul. That they can't touch or trouble. If you are a servant of the Lord God Most High, they can't trouble your eternal salvation, your eternity, your immortality. They can't touch that. So no weapon formed against you can prosper. Revelation 24. Please hear this. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. No weapon can prosper. Romans 8.13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live by the Spirit. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How could I, a man who serves God, God who created everything, created the universe, he, he breathed the stars, he created everything. How could I, as a man who knows him and serves him, and that's my king, how could I fear anything else or anyone else? How? how? I fear God and God alone. Back to the text that we're reading. Luke, Luke 12, verse 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. You have more value than many sparrows. Hold on a second. Jesus says in verse 4 and 5, Don't fear man who can kill you physically, but fear God who can send you to hell. In fact, three times he says, fear him. Now in the same sentence, Jesus is saying, do not fear. Context is everything. Jesus had just warned his disciples about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He was fully aware that they plotted to kill him. Understand this. It's something, when you go through Luke, you really see this, that Jesus, and he, he, he heard their faults. He'd be standing there. He knows exactly what you're thinking. Whether you're thinking he shouldn't be healing on the, on the Sabbath. Whether you're thinking this, that, or the other. He, 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 he heard your faults. He knew what they were planning to do. He knew that they were, they were planning to kill him. He was saying, don't fear them or their worst, which is death. Stay true to God. And he has the ultimate power over eternity. Mark 3, 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. That's just showing you that he knew. And we see this in the text later that that's what they were doing. They were planning to kill him. John 11 from verse 45 then many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Dropping down to verse 53. 
Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Jesus knew this. He was encouraging his disciples and encouraging those of us who are his servants today. Death has lost its sting. It has no power or dominion over us. Our heritage is in Christ. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's two types of fear in the Bible. There's, 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 there's godly fear and ungodly fear. Fear of everything apart from outside of God is ungodly. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So how do we we fear God if God is love and love casts out fear? Love casts out fear of everything because we fear God, because we trust God, and we trust God alone. We fear God and fear God alone. It's like like you, you, you fear your dad. You know, you fear, you fear the head teacher. You have a fear, and it's a healthy fear. I'm not talking about in an abusive relationship or, or a relationship where the dad's heavy-handed or whatever. And, but but you, there's the, in, in, in many people, and, and I don't even know how many of us grew up in the, with, with mom and dad and everything, but those that, those that had that, and they had a fear of, 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 of you have a respect and a fear. Or children do with adults. If I, call, if I go in there now and I raise my voice, they will stop and look at me. It's, 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 it's a natural and it's a healthy fear it's not, it's not a fear where you're, oh, it's a healthy fear but there, there is a fear God has the power to, 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 to cast into hell God has God, God, God it says that God holds our breath in his hand the fear of God helps us not to sin like a schoolmaster it helps us to stay on the right path we are in awe of God. Those that meet God fall in their face as if they were dead. He dwells in unapproachable light. He breathed out the stars. He's given us commandments that we, we disobeyed and we've rebelled against him. He created us for a relationship and we, 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 we are only interested in self. We're only interested in what we do. We're not interested in him. We've rebelled against him. When you realize who he is and what you've done against him, dread should fill your heart. You should feel weak in the knees like I did before I had to come and teach and talk his word. I'm talking God's word. I was terrified. I can't, I can't, I wish you could feel how I'm feeling. I was terrified. This is God's word. Dread should fill your being, your molecules, every part of you. When you realize what you've done, you've rebelled against the creator, God Almighty. This awesome God who rightfully could cast you into hell has made a way for us to be right with him if we choose. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's no greater love than that of God. God is love. If you're a Christian, I'm telling you, stand firm. The hairs on your head are numbered. 
God loves you personally for you. Do not trust in yourself or your own understanding or the things of this world. Allow the fear of God to inspire you to trust him and him alone. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Luke 12, 8 and 9. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Belief in and loyalty to Jesus as Lord means using our lives to, 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 to demonstrate that. It's our confession of faith. It's, it's how we live. Jesus simply and very bluntly said that the consequences of denying him is that he will deny us. He's not going to lie to, to the Father. He's not going to lie to God and say, yes, yeah, my disciple there. And, and you're not his disciple. You might pretend to be a disciple and go to church on a Sunday. Or even lead a group or do something. But if you're not really his disciple, he's not going to lie for you in the day of judgment. It doesn't matter how much you pretend to be when it's convenient. It's convenient today because we're in a church. During the week, if you go to a restaurant or you're on a bus or you're traveling, you're just like, is it convenient? Are you his disciple? In all of our activities from we wake up to, 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 to we sleep again, we acknowledge his supremacy as our sole authority. His doctrine is our doctrine. And we, and we don't have anything else. We don't have no other. We're not talking about no religious. No, 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 no Christianese and, 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 and churchianity. And, no. We're talking about the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We no longer say, I think, or it seems to me, or I just know in my heart. But rather, the Lord says it is written. Or the scriptures teach. This keeps us safe from making mistakes. In Jeremiah... 1023. This, this, this verse comes up so often in the Bible studies and the same as the Lord, Lord, did I not do this, that and the other and he says I never knew you. They keep coming up. We've been going through the book of Luke. I know that people's lives I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. That's Jeremiah 1023. I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. As I've said, we're not confessing allegiance to a, to, a, to a religion or a man-made doctrine. We are confessing one mind, that is the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.10 I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind with the same judgment. Our confession of Jesus is is to be made before others. It is for them to both see and hear. There is one race of people. Whatever they try and teach us and tell us, there's one race of people, two types of men. There's believers and unbelievers. Do we confess Jesus to one another on a Sunday? Is that, do we do that here now? Are we confessing Jesus in the way we interact with each other, with the things that come out of our mouth, to fellow believers? And how about during a week? Are we edifying one another as we are instructed to do? do? Are we doing that? Do we confess Jesus to the world, to the unbelievers? In our jobs, in our day-to-day, in the things that we're doing, do we evangelize? We, we know that some are called to be evangelists. They have a gift of evangelism, like Brother Mike. But then we, we are Christians. 
we are to be evangelistic by our nature, by our very nature. How can we not? How can we not share the truth? And it doesn't mean you meet someone the first time. Hey, yeah, do you know what? You're going to hell? No. Wear the master on them. Hey, do you know what? Are you a good person? Are you good? Try. No. It means building relationships with people, loving them, serving them. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means. Conversations will arise. Time will come up and you, you, you can share. You share the love of God with them. If we, if, if, if we become fearful and refuse to make this confession of Jesus before his enemies we will fail to be his disciples. His disciples, if, we're, if, if we don't confess him. What do you want to hear concerning yourself from Jesus' mouth on the day of judgment? Confession or denial? Because the, the choice is down to us. Romans 10.9 If you confess me with your mouth that Je- if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's beautiful. Listen, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, Luke 12. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Saul spoke words against Jesus. In fact, he was party to killing people. Saul would go out as a Jewish leader to find these Christians, these followers of Jesus, and drag them out and and arrest them. They would be stoned, they would be killed. Saul met with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, on the road to Damascus. Jesus forgave him and changed his name to Paul. If Paul met with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus and still rejected him. If he still accounted the works of Jesus to to Satan, including the resurrection, he would be guilty of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Again, I have to ask questions. What does blasphemy mean? I I have to look into that. I hear words all the time. What does it mean? So I've always read that verse and I, and, and I thought it's like, if I say bad things about the Holy Spirit and I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit and I'm guilty of this unforgivable sin. And I've said in the past, I, I used to be a lot more outspoken than I am now. I'm doing very well. But I used to be very outspoken and I would tell people, I'd say that's, that's foolishness. As people, I'll go to the extreme. People that were barking like dogs in church service and they say, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Quite stupidness. And, and then someone would say, boy, you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit or you don't know, so you, know, you shouldn't go there. And, and, and there's a fear of that, that that means you can't say, well, this is common sense and this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying in this, in this context. Ezekiel 20.27, it says, Therefore, son of man, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In this also, your ancestors blasphemed me by being unfaithful to me. So here in Ezekiel, the Sovereign Lord God says blasphemy in this context is being unfaithful. In the context of our text, I would suggest a similar thing. If we are unfaithful in confessing Christ and deny him, he will deny us. There's, There's no forgiveness, no loophole, no way around it. How terrifying. If we left it there, how terrifying is that? If we, if, we do, if, we, if we walk away now, how terrifying is that? Peter denies Christ three times after Jesus is arrested. 
When I read this, I, I cried, I wept like a baby. There's a certain point in it that I'd never noticed before. And it's not in the other accounts, it's in Luke's account, and, and, and I wept. So read with me if, if, if you've got your Bibles. Luke, oh, it's on the screen as well. 22, 54 to 62. Then they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking at him closely, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Is he now damned to hell? No. And we're missing it if we, if we think that's the case. I repeat what I said earlier. If, if, if we're unfaithful in confessing Christ and deny him, he will deny us. There's, there's no forgiveness, no loophole, no way around it. The denial is not to deny Christ in word or deed, but the refusal of the gospel, of the resurrected Jesus. Peter was weak at that time and denied Christ. Like we will do in times, we'll be out and someone will say something or remark and as a Christian, we'll still say, well, I believe in Jesus. No, but we don't say anything. We back down and we, we get frightened. Peter was weak at that time. He denied Christ. But when he wept bitterly, he was repentant. 1 John 1, 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When that cock crowed, Peter must have felt like he, he was being gutted. He must have, I can't imagine how he felt. But the part that made me cry was that Jesus, all that time there in the fire, Jesus was tied up over there. He was tied to a post over there. If you read the scriptures, you'll find out that just previously, whilst Peter was sitting here, they were pulling his beard, they blindfolded him, punched him and said, who was it? Go and prophesy. They were mocking him and beating him and he's tied up over there. He's denied him twice and the hour passes and he's sitting at the fire and Jesus is tied up over there. And as he denies it, he catches his eye. Peter needed to experience that. He needed to go through that to be emptied of him. We know it was a repentant sorrow, a godly sorrow. It wasn't like Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was sorry, but he was sorry I got caught sorry. And he went and killed himself. There's a difference. Peter went on to devote his life to serve his king, to die for his king. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. This is, this is not like maybe or as long as you don't blaspheme no spirit. You will be saved. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit by rejecting the gospel and do not confess Jesus is Lord so you deny Christ in that way 
and don't believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will not be saved. That's contrary to what the verse just said. If you do the opposite to what the verse said, you're not going to be saved, are you? Does that make sense? Let me, I'm reading it again. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? So if you do the opposite to that, are you going to be saved? While you are alive, there is still hope. Because you can repent. While you are alive, there's still hope. There's a brother who I love dearly. I'm not saying his name. He, 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 he left the faith after 20 years. He hates God. He hates Christianity. He hates Jesus. Did he ever know Jesus? I'm sure he did. I know he lived in my house. I lived in his house. We, I know him. What's What's happening? What can I do? I pray for him every day. My family pray for him every day. Pray for him every day. If someone leaves the faith like that, pray for There's still hope. There's a hope. Unless, unless the Lord shows otherwise that, that we've got to treat him like, yo, you know, them, they, they went out from us, they were never from us. And I'm in that, where, where, where am I with him? So what can I do? Just ignore it? No, I pray for him every day. I pray that, that God would wake him out of sleep, slap him in his face, and, and, tell, and, and wake him up from this slumber that he's in. While you're alive, there is, there is hope. Just remember that, 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 that life not promised, you know. We all know, we've all lost people in here. This church has, has, has lost so many. Life is not promised. It's not promised. You might not wake up. So you, you don't live thinking, oh, there's always hope. I'm cool. I'm going to do what I want. There's always hope. No, I'll start. You'll be given over to your depravity if you want. If you want to dive into it and keep going ignoring God, you'll be given over to it. There is no repentance in the grave. I looked for that scripture and I didn't find it. So <laughs> I don't think that's a scripture. As we, we were saying, it? what did you call it? A truism or something. So it's a true thing. It's not actually a, you know, we do that a lot. You know, we quote scriptures. God won't give you more than you can bear. You know, talking about troubles and that. It don't say that. It's, it's, talking about, it's talking about temptation to sin. Do you know what I mean? But we, all, we do that a lot. We need to check ourselves. Man, what we regurgitate. It's not good to regurgitate. It's, 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 it's good to, to, for the spirits to speak through you, but not to regurgitate when you're hearing people talk. Don't, don't, go and look for yourselves. I'm giving you all the verses and everything else. Look for yourselves. Don't just listen to what someone's telling you. While we're alive, there is hope. So if there's no repentance in the grave, once you're dead, you're dead. The sin is then unforgivable. Mark 3, 22 to 30. And the scribes who came down... Oh, no, where are we now? Because I kind of lost... No, that's cool. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. So this, this is Mark's account. This is important just to clear this up, right? And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. And whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. But is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. By claiming Jesus had an unclean spirit. By saying his works are not of God. Is saying that the work at the cross is nil and void. 
If you do not believe the, in, in the resurrected Jesus, if you do not believe the resurrected Jesus is Lord and do not confess with your lips, you will not be saved. The resurrection is the completion of Jesus' Jesus works. And Jesus is talking to his, his, his disciples. Those who have been in for, for, for two years now on the road with him. He's empowered them and sent them out. They were identified by, by everybody as his followers. Jesus knew he was going to be arrested and his disciples as well. Jesus has been communicating to them encouragement and empowerment, knowing what's about to happen. The last two verses, 11 and 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself and what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Jesus did not say, if they bring you to court. He said, when they bring you to court. Jesus said in John 15, 20, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you, us. However, don't worry about that. What can they do? What is the worst that man can do? Kill you? In this direct context, Jesus is preparing them for the, I can't say this word, you know, imminent. I have dyslexia, my letters get muddled up, but imminent. I'll get it right in it. Imminent. Imminent, 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 imminent. In this direct context, Jesus is preparing them for the imminent arrest and persecution. But we are to take great encouragement from this as well. The Holy Spirit is, is with those of us who believe and repent. And it's the, it's the very source of power that enables us to confess Christ and not to deny him. It's the Holy Spirit. We're not left alone to rely on ourselves. Jesus promised a helper and that is the Holy Spirit. He's with us always and will empower us to do God's will if we submit to God as our sovereign ruler. Sovereign ruler doesn't just mean the good times. Church Sundays is sovereign. It means the bad times as well through whatever we go through. God is sovereign. As we come to a close, 1 John 5.13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Christians, ask God to empower you to examine your life. Let his, let his light shine to, to expose your life. God is so loving, you know. I've been a Christian probably 15 years now. And, and it, he's been so slow and gentle with me in my walk. I've been through madness. Yet he's always been holding on to me the whole time. And he's been so gentle. It's, it's like that picture of the onion when you peel back the layers. Do you know what I'm saying? Because all the bad things that have happened in my life has made me put on layers and act in a certain way and react and da, da, da. And he has slowly and gently just took all that off until the real me is there. The real me, the real identity of me is in Christ Jesus. Look for sin in your life. Is there leaven in your life? That's kind of a silly question. I should say to you, there is leaven in your life. There is. There's leaven in your life. Guess what? That's going to grow and it's gonna, it's gonna, everyone's going to see it. We're all going to see it. Can you imagine your thoughts, your deepest thoughts now just being exposed? Is anybody prepared for that? The depravity that goes on in your mind and in your heart. It's all going to be exposed. We, we, we have to deal with the case. If we, if we submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. One of God's characters in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And that, this, is, this is talking about God's character. And one, one of them is patience, joy. One of them is self-control. 
We have to exercise self-control. When that thought comes in my head and I'm thinking something that's not right, I need to rebuke that. I need to confess that to Jesus. Lord, help me. I'm thinking this or I'm doing this. We have to be real with it. Don't ignore it and allow it because it will grow and grow and build and build and build. And in the end, let me just say this. The person I was talking, my friend, my rapping friend, who I was speaking about earlier, if I spoke to him three years ago and I said, you're going you're gonna to deny Christ, no way. I've been, in, I've been in New York City with that brother where he's gone up to, uh, uh, we were taken there to meet some, some, some gang members. There's a man that runs the block. And he went and he was chatting to the, to the man that runs the block and witnessing to this man. And I saw this man, I saw the Holy Spirit melt this man as, as he was rapping. This big hard man just went like this and melted. I've seen him, a man that was, uh, this, what is it? There's a guy in Philly as well who, 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 who used to kill people for the mafia. He was African-American, so he was never made. But he was, he, was, he was an assassin. He used to kill people. And I've seen this same rapper rap to him in his face. And this man, this murderer, this killer, melt as the Holy Spirit affected him. And I see this man now that God used in this way, hating God, hating Christianity. Why can't that happen to you? What, what makes you different to him? What makes anybody in here different to him? If you've got leaven in your life, that leaven will grow and, 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 and that could be you. Because he would be sitting there, the same as you are now, saying, no, not me, no way, no way, no way. But if you let sin in your life, then, then that sin will grow and grow. You've got to cut off and deal with it. I, that's why I called the thing beware. Because this convicted me and, 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 and it, it frightened me. It frightened me. What would I do if my, if my wife turned away from the Lord? I don't know how people, uh, how do people be married and, that and not have the Lord in your life? I don't know how you do them sort of things. I'm an awkward brother. So I don't know how my wife would do that without the Lord. It's, it ain't working. Don't allow leaven in your life. It will expose you. Fear God. Tremble at the thought of your sinful thoughts and actions being exposed. Get rid of it. Rep Christ. Do not deny Jesus in your thoughts or your actions. If you don't know Christ, even if you're as far in as being a member of a church, but really it's all an act, today is your day. Life is promised to no man. Confess your sin to God. He is faithful to forgive you. Take ownership and submit your life to God. Take ownership. Repent of your sin and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord of your life. Don't wait till you're ready. In the, I know my time done. I'm going to be very quick. In the 80s, I used to rap. I was, I was, I was a rapper. There wasn't many in England, but I was one of them. And, and, and the guys I was with were always like, because oh, we wanted to go and get a record deal and do shows. And they were like, no, we're not ready yet. No, we're not ready. And, and for, for years, we're not ready, not ready. And I had to leave them because they were never ready. Always saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And then I got a record deal and, 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 and nothing really came from it. But I did what I wanted to do. You understand? If you wait till you're ready... Before you submit your life to Christ, you ain't never going to be ready. You could never be ready. How could you? God is perfectly pure. Perfectly pure. And we are dust. He made us from dust. When we die, we return to the dust. How could you be right? How could you? There's nothing. Religion, you're mad. Religion is a man-made thing. We, we, we do religion to make ourselves right with God, which is foolishness. How could it? To do things religiously is a good thing. We were talking about it earlier. Praying religiously, making so you discipline yourself to pray. That's, that's good. But religion in itself, this is the Pharisees. This is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And you're being warned, beware of that. 
So don't wait until you think, oh, I need to be ready. No, come as you are. If you don't know Jesus, come as you are and do that today. Come and pray with, with I'm up here, Robert is around, there's people around, come and pray and, and, and give your life to Jesus. Submit your life. Even if you've been pretending or you think you're a Christian for so long and, and really, really you're not. Make that decision today. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I pray, Lord, I know your word does not come back void. I pray that 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 your word will just permeate our beings, Lord. That you would convict our hearts, Lord. That we would look for sin in our lives, Lord, to purge it, Lord. That we would look to be your representatives, your disciples, Lord. Not just on a Sunday or a church meeting, but all the time. Help us to be evangelized, to evangelists. Help us, Lord, to edify one another and, and, and to be wanting to do that so much, Lord, daily, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here today, Lord, that, that needs to get it right with you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would make that stand today. That they won't watch nobody else and not what anybody thinks about them. They won't let pride be their hypocrisy. That they will stand and say, yes, Lord. I pray that they would make their way to, the, to, 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 to someone to pray for them. Knowing that the devil will try to stop them. Knowing that, 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 that they will be, I was nervous to come up here and talk. I, I, wish I'd, I wish the ground could have swallowed me when I was thinking of coming up here. But Lord, you are faithful and true to forgive us if we confess our sins, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that people would confess their sins to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that today will be a day that changes, Lord. That lives change. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word. I'm just com- I just commit commit all these all, all of our morning to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.